A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you shawnee man? Almost 500 Premier League appearances, more than 200 Premier League goals, and even from thousands of miles away, he's still having an impact as Wayne Rooney steals the thunder from the opening weekend of the Premier League with his last-minute heroics for DC United in the MLS. Owen and Ken here with your second captain's football podcast. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? Uh, I'm all the better for seeing this Wayne Rooney clip. Are you, are you <laughs> it, did, it did also bring gladness to my heart. Yeah, it really did. Do you remember uh, throughout Robbie Keane's career with the LA Galaxy, we'd often, we think we talked about it in this podcast, how many Monday mornings we had where, I know the first thing Stop you shouldn't it. do is check your phone, but you know, most of us do it. Mm. You get a nice little uplifting Robbie Keane beating a couple of players and slotting it into the top corner, even at, whatever, 35 years old. Yeah. So he's now been replaced in this role by Wayne Rooney, who's brightening up our Monday mornings. And looks like we could have more of the same from the DC United captain. The context here, in this case, was Rooney's team were drawing two all with Orlando City. They'd sent everyone forward in search of a winner, including their goalkeeper for some reason. American, Americans really don't like ties. So even at two all, they're sending their goalkeeper forward. Orlando broke up field. One of their players... So this is the opponent, Wayne Rooney. Will Johnson had the ball, and he was steaming into DC United's half with only one man to beat. But it wasn't just any man. Who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Acosta. Hey, the Americans get a bad rap sometimes for their soccer commentary, but I think they've called that pretty well there. I like that you could hear the hysterical laughter in the background. <laughs> it was very funny. I mean, the funniest bit I thought was when the camera cut back to Rooney as the players were celebrating and Rooney was just... <sighs> <sighs> like uh, Gary Pallister, uh, having put everything into his run back, he was ready to drop with exhaustion. He gave the classic footballers celebration when they're too tired to proper cel- properly celebrate and just went down to fix his socks yeah one one hand on the knee socks. the other hand's the raise oh yeah that was good <sighs> the, good thing the final whistle was about to blow the here. tackle he pulled off was pretty epic he then strode forward before pinging the ball to the back post for Acosta to score I will say if I'm Will Johnson I'm a little bit embarrassed this morning Will Johnson had one man to beat the man is whatever age Wayne Rooney is not as mobile as he used to be mm. like really young Will Will could be 35 himself, I don't know. Should have been able to just knock it down the line and then... Rooney, the Rooney, though, has never been faster than when chasing back to make a tackle. You think? Yeah, all his fastest um, bursts of speed throughout his entire career have been in that uh, mode. 
Mm. I mean, it is the usual thing. We were talking about this a couple of weeks back, but um, he does, like, not everybody uh, has the same drive to win the ball back. Oh, no. very. I would say very few attacking players he, have the same drive to win the ball back. He's a player who's always um, had that. I still remember him chopping down Ronaldo. <laughs> remember that? Everton, when he was still playing um, for Everton in the first oh. uh, first spell. Yeah, he hammered Ronaldo in it. Like, uh, uh, horrific. Like, yeah. a, an awful sliding... Striker sliding, uh, yeah. Well, a deliberate attempt to... You know, to be hard but fair, but it was hard and unfair. <laughs> um, but he's always he's always had that in his locker. Oh. Dion Fanning and Alan Smith are on the way to talk about the opening weekend of the Premier League. We got in the mood for the new season last week by welcoming Gary Neville to our Premier League night with Cadbury. And I think it's fair to say Gary was in brilliantly combative form. For fuck's sake. <laughs> we, we need to get back to facts here because there seems to be a bit of emotion creeping in. What you've just said really isn't true. Well, no. Not what I said... I'm not saying. I don't know what you're saying, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, I, I, all I Make this point. Got, if you found someone on the street, you already interviewed me. He's a goat, he's a god, he's a man, he's a guru. For fuck's sake! One microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan, designed and directed by his red right hand. You yeah. did. I've, I've heard. I've, I've Who did? Let me finish. What happened to Chelsea? For fuck's sake! Well, this is going splendidly, everybone. Put the cameras up. You want some chat? Everybody would think that the appointment of Jose Mourinho would have been a great appointment for Manchester United to win trophies. That they would win trophies under Jose Mourinho. Well, I don't think everybody would have thought that, but I think somebody who didn't know a lot about football would have thought that. What Manchester United? Jose Mourinho? Yeah. For fuck's sake! Ah, oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I like the song choice there. Not to uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. <laughs> Gary's still going. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal amount of feedback on that piece. One of the biggest reactions we've had on the podcast. You're enjoying listening back there, Ken. Yeah, so yeah. there were many who reckoned Ken got schooled or caned or taken to the cleaners. Pwned. What was that word? P-W-N. Hmm. It's a kind of a, it's a typo own. It means essentially the same as owned. It's, it's one of those it's kind of an olden day thing now there were some on your side Fergal Burke says he listened throughout the entire wash up dry and put away this evening couldn't put the tea towel down Ken you were right as always Ronan Slattery reckons that was rare podcast heaven spiky honest funny and insightful like peak Pacquiao versus Mayweather look forward to the me- the rematch well, actually peak Pacquiao versus Mayweather never happened no they've got it on towards the end of their career were you happy to debate Neville while you're both at your broadcasting zenith Ken uh, yeah I, do- I thought it was thought it was uh it was uh, quite enjoyable. Mm. Mm. I think so. There was a few. There was another tweet looking for the behind the scenes. What, what, what went on behind the scenes afterwards? Well, what went on was the same as behind the scenes beforehand. Really nice chat with Gary Neville. For fuck's sake! I think he was happy, as he said during the piece, to have a little bit of a have a little bit of a ding dong up on stage there. Kind of like the Dunphy early feud that didn't quite happen. So we're happy to bring you the uh, the Neville versus Early feud. You can have a listen. That podcast is open to everybody who was dropped into your feed on Friday. If you want more of the best Premier League coverage throughout the season, you'll want to be a part of the World Service. We'll be bringing you football pods during the week, every week in the Premier League season. The football show didn't even take a break in the off-season, so why stop now? It's only a five or a month. You can do it on secondcaptains.com. You know you want to. Let's now report on sport. So um, it's hard to pick a highlight, really, from the Premier League weekend. Oh. Most of the big guns firing early. All except Arsenal, who had the tough, the toughest game by a long way um, against Manchester City. They were the only one of the sort of top six teams from last season that didn't manage to win. Everybody else uh, was good. Everton and Wolves, two of the most interesting teams this season, given all the transfer activity, uh, in a very entertaining draw. Um, one of the big matches, I guess, was Liverpool thrashing West Ham. Um, this is Jurgen Klopp had been uh, bigging Liverpool up as Rocky Balboa. We, we are Rocky Balboa, not Ivan Drago. This is because Liverpool are desperately trying to cling to their underdog status despite blowing everybody out of the water uh, in the transfer market uh, this summer. So Klopp saying we're more Rocky Balboa than Ivan Drago. Friend of mine is saying, what does this mean? I don't get that, yeah. Is it, it you know, unable to defend, um, capable of withstanding 37 <laughs> unanswered headshots? Um, I mean, Rocky, the thing about Rocky is that he won nearly all his fights. Yeah, and he got the job, he found a way to get the job done. 
I mean, he, he became complacent and got hammered by Clubber Lang, but came back and beat him, lean and mean. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I can't remember him. I mean, there was a couple of draws in there, but he, there were no there were no. What defeats. about what about when he was street fighting late on? Did he did he lose that one? No, no, no. He he, he keeps winning. I mean, I don't know if you I don't know if you can remember all the Rocky Zone, but uh, Tommy Gunn in Rocky Five, he um, he sort of. He uh, becomes his manager. Rocky Balboa, the most recent one, I believe he drew again. And I haven't had to Google that. That has just popped into my head. No, I, I think, think... it was a points decision. I think they split it. No, the, see, the, the, no, I think you got confused there, Owen. Have I? No, no, you're, maybe you're correct. Or Creed, whatever the most Creed recent is, one is. Creed yeah, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. most recent one. And he doesn't actually fight because he's, he's very old. And That's I right, think he's, he's training. Got, he's got he's cancer. Training, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rocky has got cancer trainer, yeah. as well. He's in, he's under, he's in treatment, mm. right? So he's not in fighting shape. It's Michael B. Jordan who does all the fighting in that one. Um, as for Rocky, uh, his most recent fight I can recall was against uh, another brash young champion. Rocky himself is a pensioner uh, who sees something on TV where they're... It's like they they do computer animated simula simulations of what would happen if Rocky Balboa, fighter of days gone by, fought against current <laughs> champion, and then they fight, and I think maybe Rocky wins or something, and the champ gets annoyed, and he says, "Rocky, you know, he challenges Rocky to fight, even though Rocky's like seventy years old now," and they draw. Do they no? Does, do they draw or or is it a loss? Rocky might maybe loses on points, but like he takes it the distance. Yeah, which is a, which a, is a win. So we're still. I'm still none the wiser as to what Klopp means by this analogy. He means through the underdog. I think he's talking. Well, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the he underdog is Drago that puts it situated in Rocky Four. They say he says it's running. Anyway, they're not they're not underdogs anymore. Um, I mean, the the it was obviously a good performance against the West Ham team that w was a bit shambolic. Declan Rice was playing midfield, but only for the first half. Ah, oh, stop! I came to this game late. And I, I, I saw Declan Rice is in the field. Mm. I think it might have been Daniel McDonald tweeting. Whoever it was was making the point, this is this is where he needs to play for Ireland. It's great news. Yeah. Came to the game late, caught the end of the first half, didn't see him do anything really. I was like, is, he is playing midfield, is he? Halftime substitutions. Declan Rice, not only substituted, but having to sit directly behind his manager, Pellegrini. So the first shot off the bench in the second half is a th the thundering face of a man who's been taken off at halftime directly behind the manager. He wasn't making a scene, but you could just you could just see the. <laughs> it was a serious <laughs> case of slapped arse face from Declan Rice. He was not happy to have been removed uh, at, at halftime. You know, everyone wants the chance to go out there and redeem themselves, but he was robbed of that by uh, Pellegrini. Liverpool were good, though? Uh, they were very good. Very good. Um, I think the the big... Uh, I mean, you know, Mane scored two goals. One of them was offside. Salah obviously scored a goal. Um, Firmino didn't score, but played well. Um, Sturridge scored after with his first touch after coming on with a couple of minutes to go. So everything going well. But I think the big thing is the performance of Naby Keita, who showed already in a couple of moments why why he can be such an important player for them. And he did this particularly in creating the first goal for Sal. I mean, he didn't actually get the assist. It was a Robertson assist. But what happens showed what he does that Liverpool didn't have a midfield player who can do, and very few teams, in fact, have such a player, which is the ability to take the ball and hold it and carry it under pressure from opponents and release it at the right moment. So this is a really rare skill. I mean, it's a it's a fundamental skill in football. But the really the best players. I mean, like remember when we talked about Xavi? Um, Xavi's description of what makes Lionel Messi so good. Uh, he basically he holds the ball until you're on top of him, and then three players are on top of him, and then the ball the ball is gone, and three players are standing there going, oh. They've got two. They've got two free men now, and then a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds later, it's a goal. So, this is like, this is something that Jordan Henderson. We remember we talked during the World Cup. Remember there was that video of Henderson against Croatia disintegrating under pressure, where just booting it quite long, yeah, quite often to nowhere in particular, booting it, and and you know, so it's not to be too harsh on Henderson. I mean, it could. Very well, be that he was under instruction to play early long passes. Oh, I think that was definitely the instruction. If you yeah. remember, Sterling got on a little bit of ball early. There was a, a clear plan: just exploit a lack of pace and and play it forward. But 
he wasn't under instruction to play the kind of terrible passes <laughs> he was playing in that video. You know what I mean? This was a player who is good in some situations. He's got like a you know a lot of strengths, you could say, but one of those is not the ability to hold the ball while he's getting closed down by an opponent and then release the ball at a moment that takes that opponent out of the game. Now I think I find this sort of an interesting thing to talk about because there was also I don't know if you watch Kyle Walker's video with Neville and Carger at the Sky Sports Premier League launch. Yeah, Kyle Walker was talking to Neville Carger and the presenter guy. Um, Dave, Dave Jones, I think it was. Dave Jones. And uh, and they asked him, I think it was Jones asked him, what's the difference between Pochettino and Guardiola? You know, which is always a kind of annoying question for a footballer because you don't want to say, oh, Guardiola is 10 times better, Pochettino is useless. Mm. Or vice versa. Yeah, if you by definition, if you're praising the strength of one manager, you're kind of saying the other manager didn't have this difference. Yeah, and so Walker was was sort of oh they're both great they're they're both amazing, uh, but you know I suppose my football knowledge has increased a lot at Manchester City, and th- th- this was exactly the thing that he spoke about. He was like it's about getting the ball, and then if you 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 see us passing the ball around, and it might look pointless to you. Like, I get the ball here, I'm the wing back, and I pass it to Stones or whatever, and he and he passes back to me, and then I pass it back to him. And it might look like we're not doing anything, but what we're doing is drawing players to us. You track players, and, you know, they see the ball being passed around pointlessly. They go, oh, I want the ball. Run run up to you, and that's the point That's the point at which... Now, the space behind them now, some something, has, something is now not covered that was covered. And so if you can pass into that space... Okay, this is suddenly you've, suddenly you're working the ball up the field, and you're, uh, you, you know, you're, you've got your opponents already. Uh, you're starting to open them up already, and this is like the key skill. Now, what struck me is really incredible about this was that Kyle Walker apparently had to go to Manchester City to figure this out. Really, I mean, it was it was like really didn't know know this. You know, this is exactly how else do you think this works? You know, you the it's about like. That's how that's how you kind of take people out of the game. There's, there's, it's it's kind of you would think a professional footballer would would know this. Yeah. But okay, you know maybe he did, but maybe he was just thinking of an answer to the question. What can I say? That's reasonably diplomatic here. Well, is there anything I can say about what Guardiola tells us to do that that I can now use without giving away anything too high level? Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's that's sort of interesting. Now, some players, I, I guess, do it naturally. Some players don't. It's clear that in English football, there isn't necessarily a culture of of explaining, s- sitting down young players and explaining this to them. And I guess it's not all that surprising when you hear, for example, um, the last the England manager, the last the the previous England manager, big Sam Allardyce, on Talksport. Now he was talking about. Uh, he was talking about Arsenal. Um, Arsenal played Man City, uh, and you were, we were. It was an interesting game because obviously it's Emery's first game, and you're like, okay, what will Arsenal? As Emery said himself before the game, what he he talked about uh, City. They transmit everything. They transmit. They transmit. He kept using the word transmit. Now I remember we were talking before to Sid Lowe about this. This is like a Spanish football expression that Emery has translated directly from Spanish into English. What do you transmit? It's like, what's your identity? What's your, what do you give off in the sense of what are you all about? Um, and this is an interesting question. What are Arsenal going to be all about now that they've got a different manager and surely it's all going to be new? And there was a couple of different things. Um, one of them was this um, much more of an emphasis on building up from the back, which is it's not like they never did this under Arsene Wenger, but they were they never quite did it as systematically. There was plenty of long kicks from the goalkeeper as well. This this was like systematic short play at the back, right from the back, right from asking Petr Cech to be uh, Claudio Bravo. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know, I I've got a few issues with the with the fact that Cech was being asked to do that, and I think we can talk about that with Dion and and. And Alan a bit a bit later on, you know, because it's 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 sort of like okay, Czech is is has been a great goalkeeper, maybe isn't quite still a great goalkeeper. I mean, he made six errors leading to goals last season, which was more than any other player in the league. Um, I mean, Loris I think was second on the list, and he had a particularly error-strewn season. So with Czech, it was kind of this, you know. And Arsenal bought a new goalkeeper for twenty-two and a half million, so you assume this guy was going to play, and he's not. Burn Leno was not playing; it was it was Czech, and we all know Czech is not. 
a goal is not like a footballing goalkeeper. You know, he's he's like thirty six. Nobody used to do this. Although interestingly, after the game, you say, "No, I love I've been a- finally somebody has asked me it's, to play, it's play a a bit of football from the back." It is a pleasant change for me, <laughs> with a sort of high pitched laugh. And 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 I felt so sorry for him. But look, he was gamely trying to do it. Was asked of him. City were closing them down in that phase. Arsenal were doing the same thing at the other end to Man City. And all their best chances actually came from targeting the goalkeeper build-up play, which is obviously Ederson is a player who's who wins a lot of praise for his distribution. It's it's a fundamental part of his game. This this style of play, Arsenal still managed to break it up. On a couple of occasions, there was Ozil, one one ball. There was a cup. They they should have scored at least one goal from it. But I thought it was evidence. Okay, here's an idea. Arsenal have got an idea now. It, it's only one small, limited idea. It's like one specific thing they try to do when the opponent is in a certain phase of play. But at least it's a start because Arsenal haven't done anything like that in years. <laughs> just a, Wenger never did that. There was no specific preparation for you know. Okay. Lads, when we, when we, uh, when they've got the ball, this is what I want us all to do. All of us, right? We move up a little bit and get onto them, and we kind of try to make a run across the man that you think he's going to pass the ball to. You know, this nothing like that. There was nothing like that for the last few years at Arsenal. It was just like, oh, you know, go out and express yourselves. You know what I mean? So that was a good sign in the sense that maybe they're transmitting, kind of a we 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 might have a couple of plans when we go into a given game. You know. Other than that, it was it was quite normal Arsenal. But I mentioned Sam Allardyce, yep. and let's just say he wasn't a big fan of what he was seeing around the penalty areas when the goalkeepers had the ball at their feet. Every newspaper, I think, today has some reference to whether or not it's time for Unai Emery to play Bernd Leno, who they bought from Bayern Leverkusen in the summer, uh, and whether or not you can teach an old dog new tricks, essentially. People are questioning whether a 36-year-old well, can be taught to play out the man- back. It's the manager's fault. Go on. It's his fault. Don't ask somebody to do against Manchester City what you shouldn't do. And you should not play out like that against Manchester City. What did Manchester City do? Press, press, press. Press, press, press. So why do you try and play out when they press, press, mm. press? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just... I mean, even the Arsenal crowd cheered when, yeah, when, yeah. when he, when he, yeah, when he when dropped he one in the opposition's half. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you cannot just, you cannot just force... The only way to play is this way in this country. We're getting obsessed with this yeah. stupid, you know, let's play out from the back, split the centre-halves, either side of the 18-yard box and go and play from there. Like, I mean, it's even, even City, utter Sam, rubbish to consider City to took, play like that all they, the time. They took some chances yesterday. City, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, at but, times, I'm like, what are you doing? But, but when you're the best at it, Al, you can, aren't yeah. you? You know what I mean? When you're the best, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are two. There are two different points he's making there. One is a specific criticism which we have already made. I, I agree with the, the you know it's Arsenal's approach. Don't ask with Jack the to do something they have. he can't really do. The second is a more sweeping criticism. This of is stupid. The whole idea of playing out from the we've back become obsessed in this country with this stupid. Now the idea of dropping one in the other half, as he says, who's supposed to win that ball? Like, is it going to be Aubameyang? Is, is, is that Aubameyang's game? You know, competing with a central defender for a goal kick. Is that in the air? Is that what he's going to do? Is it, is it going to be Ozil? <laughs> you know, is it going to be Mkhitaryan? Maybe. Which one of these would Sam make his target man? You know, maybe he would change. Maybe he, he would he would pick a different team. The, I mean, uh, obviously he makes one good point, which is don't ask Czech to do something he's ill-suited to do. And one bad point, which is this is stupid. Because it's not stupid. And I mean, the reason why you might do it against Manchester, Manchester City, even though they're good at pressing, is, yeah, we know, we know what they're going to do, and we think we can play through that. And if we do, then we're in. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how we're going to try and make chances and attack Manchester City. Whereas if we boot the ball long to Aubameyang or Ozil, they will just get that ball. And then they've got the ball, and then it's really difficult to get it back off them. Because there's another thing that Man City do besides pressing is passing. And they're very good at keeping, you know, you don't want to give them the ball easily. You know, if, if, the, if the point that, that, that he wants, well, no, I'm trying to put another point in his mouth. He, the point he made was the point he made, and he was, he's pretty clear about it. The, there's a lesser, uh, you know, there's 
a tendency in football and all sports to ape what's successful, mm. no matter what. You've seen this in Gaelic football, you know, uh, it's, it, Jim McGuinness has success with a defensive type of lead. Suddenly everybody's defensive. Before that, Kieran Donny plays as a big target man full forward in the Kerry team and everybody's trying the same thing. Oh, we'll make our midfielder a full forward, even if they don't have the skill set mm. of Kieran Donaghy. So like, there's a point maybe there to be made that, uh, that you shouldn't just necessarily ape Pep Guardiola's methods if you don't believe in them. But if you do believe in those kind of methods, uh, I, I don't think you can just say it's wrong to do it. No. You know, there, there, there are ways to get it right. Well, it's clearly not just wrong to do it. Otherwise, Pep Guardiola wouldn't be a famous person with like you know all these trophies he would be you know uh, he'd be sitting in some cafe in Barcelona complaining about how nobody recognizes his genius you know it it does work uh, I mean I wouldn't necessarily say Unai is aping Pep Guardiola either I mean you know this is like quite common in in Spain they were it's like okay we've got the ball now first thing we're going to do is try not to give it back to them immediately one the, the the fastest way to do that is booted forward, you know, boot just booted it to drop one in the drop one in the other half, you know what I mean? That's the quickest way to give the ball away. Give it away that easy against Man City, and like you're not even going to touch the ball as they beat you. So you might as well try this, even though it's risky. You know, this is what you've. So okay, uh, I mean, if you were going to criticize this, this was the game to watch because it was a game where both teams are, are targeting the goalkeeper's short build up, and there was mistakes being made. First game, first game of the season, or whatever. Okay, but you know, uh, you know, we. I, I guess we can we can talk a bit more about that game when uh, when Dean and Alan gets here. But I would just, I think it's worth um, mentioning um, what Guardiola was saying afterwards. Uh, there was the uh, he talks about Mares. No, not Mares. Sorry, I've just got Mares on the screen in front of me. He talked about Mendy. Mendy was playing, and Mendy set up both goals, actually. I mean, one of them was kind of, he put the ball and played for Silva. One of them was he just gave it to Sterling, who then proceeded to score a quite individualistic goal. Um, generally, uh, I mean, the the interesting thing about Mendy is that he obviously wasn't there for most of last season. And you could see, like, this, this sort of strength that he has um, and the way that he just covers the whole flank. Uh, and this this is a something City were missing. Guardiola spoke about this last season. It was Delph at left back for a lot of last season. He's not the same type of player. He's not going to like up and down and up and down and up and down the pitch the whole game. So it means that they can vary their attacking approach uh, in terms of rather than having wingers who stay wide and fullbacks who come sort of inside, they can have fullbacks who go outside and wingers who cut in like Sterling was doing uh, in the whole game. And they can do whatever they want in, in whichever game they want. So... I'm sure they'll do both, and it's difficult to anticipate which way they're going to go in any given game. And this is another reason why they're difficult to play against. But Guardiola did say one uh, thing about Mendy. He said, Mendy's Mendy. Sometimes we want to kill him. Sometimes you think, wow, what a player we have. He gives us energy. He, Mendy has a lot of things to improve, and hopefully we can convince him to forget a little bit the social media and improve a few things. Oh, yeah, Mendy's, well, yeah, he did seem to be on a lot there last year. He's pretty funny, is he not? His, his social media is very funny. Whether it's all Mendy doing it, I don't know. I mean, it is true that whenever I see him on social media, he is usually got a phone in his hand, like recording something. Like he's obviously he uh, you know you see him on the pitch. Like you saw him last season a lot on the pitch, running out and sort of recording stuff with his phone um, as as City celebrated another win or whatever. Uh, Mendy replied to this saying, um, uh, "Do you say oops?" Uh, first of all, and the haha, and then and then an, I will, I promise, and a couple of little emojis thrown in. If I was Mandy, I'd listen to that. Like Guardiola doesn't do jokes, mm. you know. He's not, if he says that, like he really means it. Like Mandy needs to. It's whether or not he feels it's fair that Guardiola apparently has an issue with his, you know very funny social media use <laughs> which, which has made him so popular everybody loves him big shark team and all this kind of stuff if Guardiola doesn't like it he should stop doing it like Guardiola he's not he's not a funny man like Guardiola no have you ever seen him like have you ever seen him make a joke or laugh at anything I mean it's, it's hard to think he's not exactly a, a gags man is he not a gags man no no he's, he does have a when he's in relaxed form at that preseason Premier League launch he was super relaxed with Carragher. He said to Gar- he said to Neville and Carragher, he said, "Oh, I think you're." This was his joke. He said, 
I think your generation really set, let down English football because I see you and you, and I think, oh, these guys, they have to win something. I don't know if that and was you a never joke. did. Well, they laughed. Neville and Carragher laughed, and everything. Like, <laughs> you know, the kind of the lad laugh, yeah. and then there was like a little beat of silence, and then it was like, I'm not sure if Guardiola was joking. I was thinking more at the end as he's walking away. He goes, "I'm sure you guys will talk to me again." Yeah. Uh, like yeah, of course, yeah, we'll talk to you before. Yeah, the, we will. Yeah, I, I think Come the on. I think the gag there was okay. Even as I'm explaining this, I realise he's not a funny man. <laughs> no, and me finding humour in this is maybe says more about me. But the idea of like you're obviously going to be interviewing me nonstop because you're kind of, you know, you've, you've got to fill that airtime somehow, guys. You're like a stone in my shoe. He also guys. accidentally called Gary Neville Phil, which is one thing we didn't get to with. Well, uh, you know, look, he can, Seriously. you know, even Guardiola makes makes little mistakes. But yeah, I think Mandy needs to pay attention and, and we'll see we'll see if he does. And maybe he thinks it's unfair. I mean, it, it, it is interesting that Guardiola expresses this view because it, it's something which I, I think people feel with a lot of football players uh, that maybe they're too into this. And, and it's always hard to separate to what, what extent of this is like, being a football man dinosaur, you know, like say Roy Keane complaining about selfies in the Arsenal dressing room, you know, as a few years years back, or and what to what extent actually yes, this this is this is a stupid distraction, and these this is right, even though it is a bit dinosaurish. Like Pogba is an interesting case. You see, uh, <laughs> Pogba. Like Pogba's Instagram videos, there was a recent one, like just a couple of days ago. His haircut, yeah, it was like it was an Instagram video. Another one of these really stylized kind of video with like professionally produced, professionally produced, backing proper backing track, and he's getting a little. Yeah, he's getting himself a haircut. It was those two stars that you saw in the back of his head. Yeah, at the. At the opening he saw, game, he saw the making of the star. So he does a little trick. Then he's there, you know, uh, sitting in the chair with the the barber thing wrapped around him, uh, has the haircut, and then he does a good another couple of tricks. There's, there's the video. Now, what could be the problem with that? I mean, people are always going, "Oh, Pogba's haircut." Not everybody, but it is. It, it's almost like to complain about Pogba's haircut is to say, "I am, I am a dinosaur." You know what I mean? Uh, but like at the same time. Is this is is this sort of stuff too much? I mean, I, I find it really hard to decide. Like, is Pogba when he does? Like, obviously, there's a bit of time and thought put into this stuff. Like, he's thinking about it a lot. Is he, is he thinking about it too much? You know, maybe he'd be better off just not having this cluttering up his brain. Um, or is it like is Pogba and Mendy and others uh, other players who are big into social media, like say James Milner, the anti-cool football player who's like developing a large social media like he gets trump numbers milner on his tweets now it's like trump retweet i'd like numbers it's actual james milner or no actual no actual james milner but it's i mean actual james milner's social media output consists in him playing up to the image of being boring james milner so which is a fictional social media character so it's like I can't even follow the levels of irony here. I just know that I kind of preferred when James Milner wasn't doing this. <laughs> He's like, oh, here I am with my tea, or here I am with my Rabina, or, or making some boring comment about something with a little wink, you know? And you're like, what's what's the long game here? Maybe they have kind of seen this is just the way the world is now. It's like, say, 20 years ago, when David Beckham was was becoming like this sort of celebrity in a way that football players hadn't really been before, like all over the place, like Saturation Beckham. And it really, really annoyed Alex Ferguson. 90%, I think, because he thought Beckham was thinking about too much other stuff. Glenn Hoddle, remember, said, didn't Glenn Hoddle say at the 98 World Cup, oh, he's got a pop star girlfriend. I don't know if he's thinking about football enough. Like Beckham, an obsessive, like, practicer of you know, of free kicks and like a real football nut at that stage. Oh, he's got a pop star girlfriend, you know. And Ferguson continued to be annoyed about this. I think partly he was a little bit jealous of all the attention that Beckham got. But he was also genuinely concerned that Beckham was was distracted. There was the flashpoint over the remember the Leeds game. Beckham was like, Oh, I've got a I've got to stay home and look after my child who's sick, so I can't go to training. And Ferguson was like, Where's your wife? And the answer was in London, like working, <laughs> and Ferguson couldn't get his head around that, so dropped Beckham for the next game. He famously threw a hair dryer at David Beckham. Famously right? threw a hair dryer, as we know, but but he 
in the end, sort of got rid of Beckham. And even in his recent autobiography, the, the, there was a couple in the last couple of years, but was saying, oh, you know, he, he could have been a great player if he hadn't, you know, got, got distracted by all that. But I look back at that and I'm like, who was right here? You know, who was actually... Well, I mean, imagine Beckham had knuckled down and done what Ferguson, exactly what he wants him to do and not allowed any photo and been like Greta Garbo and not been in any magazines and... What would it, what difference would it have made? He might have won a couple more trophies with Man United. He wouldn't have moved to Real Madrid. He wouldn't have become as famous as he did. He would have made a fraction of the amount of money that he had. He wouldn't have had anything like the profile that he now enjoys. Wait, who was right about David Beckham's career? I think Beckham was playing to his strengths. You know, Beckham was. When you look at it, he was great. He had a great right foot. He was. He was an excellent player in that position, that role for Manchester United. He did, he scored and set up a lot of goals. But he was also more of a kind of a fashion icon than he was. He was more outstanding at that than being a football player. So he played to his strengths. And Pogba's doing something similar, is that what you're saying? Well, Pogba, I think, may, maybe. I'm not sure. I think the problem with Pogba is that he's not doing enough yet on the field to, to kind of to calm, to, to quieten all the dinosaurs so they all have to shut their traps about it. You know, he's not doing, he's not delivering consistently enough. Beckham was really consistent yeah. for a long time. Yeah, so like Cristiano Ronaldo can pose in... F- Armani photo shoots uh, all he wants etc and nobody score, can score a goal again he's, he's, he's untouchable really like. whereas Pogba I don't know though you know I think it is a bit dinosaurish because how how much work do you really have to do hours wise in a day to be a professional footballer you know you have to play your football 10 you have to, at you least have, 10 according to Marcelo Bielsa oh really yeah. if you play your football and you, then you largely have to rest and I don't think the videos he's the type of videos he's doing where he's sitting there getting his hair cut and doing a bit of keepy uppies is too you know too opposite. It's not wild. What he should be doing. It's not it's too like, wild. I mean, you remember Zaha last season? Though Zaha's Zaha's little post match interview after he'd scored against somebody, scored a great goal, and it was like I think it was the Saturday like lunchtime game or whatever, yeah. and they said, "Oh, what do you know? What are you going to do for the weekend?" You know, it's obviously a great goal, and he and he was like, "Uh, well, just going to go home and uh, you know." Just hang out with my son, really. Watch a bit of TV, and then like the, it cut to later that night. <laughs> Zaha, about yeah. <laughs> Zaha dancing on the town somewhere. Someone's someone's phone video. Uh, but look, he got a, he got a babysitter at, l- at late notice. Fair play. <laughs> Fair play to him. It's not easy to do. People are always complaining about that. Um, so yeah, we'll talk a bit more about Pogba and what he was actually saying with uh, uh, with Tion. The one other thing I want to mention here is Sari, um, Maurizio Sari. Uh, at Chelsea, mm-hmm. I read a story. I assume it was made up because I, this can't be true. That he was eating cigarettes on the sideline. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. He's a, he's reputedly that was not what I was saying. He's, he's reputedly an eighty a day man. Ah, oh, come on. Reputedly an eighty a day man. Nobody's doing. Nobody's smoking eighty. Not anymore, surely not. Come on. I mean, because he because he can't. Like it's just you'd be out, you'd be standing outside all day. Like even if it if it, if it only takes you like um, two minutes to smoke a cigarette, I mean, let's say ninety seconds to smoke a cigarette. I'm gonna say that's fairly wolfing it down or whatever smoker terminology. There yeah, it would be, and it's still two solid hours of smoking. Like, and given that you can't smoke inside almost anywhere now, that's two hours of going outside. So, so it takes like an extra two minutes to go in and out. Like, assuming your office is close enough to the door. So, so add on another you know 160 minutes for that maybe knock off half of that because you probably smoke two at a time so you know so that's still we're we're still about three hours and 20 minutes of of time devoted to smoking per day you know in work which is a it's a lot like uh but but apparently the poor man had resorted to eating cigarettes now i don't think this can be true both because you can get like nicotine gum yeah which is which kind of has the same effect without being incredibly disgusting and also quite dangerous. Like, nicotine is a really bad poison. Is this not just a Google Translate issue? Are we not just talking about nicotine gum or, or eating cigarettes? It's just, a, it's just yeah. a, a way of saying that Sari goes through a lot of cigarettes. I'm not sure. But Chelsea are apparently setting him up with a smoking area in Stamford Bridge because, like, the law is against him. You know, like, oh, you can't smoke anywhere. So they're going to find some, some legal workaround to enable Sari to have a little cigarette seller. I feel for the guy. If it is 80 a day and he has to spend like nearly two and a half hours, I hope he manages to get one in before the press conference because otherwise we could see some real explosions uh, throughout this season if somebody uh, looks at him the wrong way. 
the first few minutes of a presser. That's one of those things. Stop it! How many players can do this? Duffman can never die. He's 34 years old. It's one of those things. Duffman can never die. Only the actors who play him. No, he did. No, he did. Do you think Robbie Keane just said, you know what? Any questions about me being the MVP of this league? I think he just said right there. Oh yeah. He's got more of a tan than me. Joe's Dion Fanning is here. Happy new Premier League season to you, Dion. Thanks, Owen. And Alan Smith of the Times is listening in. Alan, how are you? Hi, Owen. Uh, yeah, listen. We'll start with Arsenal City. Um, we've been talking a little bit about this. What have you seen in one game of football <laughs> so far this season that, that that tells you how Arsenal are going to operate under Emery? How do do they look, are there obvious differences already with Wenger? Um, I think the most obvious difference is that they've lost their tragic figure on the sideline. Um, that makes it kind of the sort of the the sort of tragic poetry of Arsenal over the last few years and the kind of Wenger decline is gone, and it doesn't seem to have been replaced by too much else except a realisation that, you know, a lot of these players aren't very good and a lot of work needs to be done to turn the squad around. And without the the lightning rod that was Wenger, like, you know, yesterday's game would have been the perfect, you know, it, it, it sort of mimicked an, a Wenger game in so many ways, like the crowd leaving early. Like all that was missing was, you know, people holding up like, a four sign saying, you know, spend some fucking money. Like, you know, that's all that was missing. And uh, but you know, there were you, know, you could say they were pressing and they were plan- trying to play out from the back a bit more, that kind of stuff. And there were elements of that. But ultimately, there was just that sense of of you know a group of, of you know uninterested players that really needs a lot of work. See now, everybody at Arsenal, including their fans, are going to have to be patient. And unfortunately, nobody likes being patient, especially not football fans. So how is this going to work? It was, it was interesting to note, even during, wasn't Gary Neville and co-commentary of the Arsenal game? Um, whoever it was was making the point, even as they were making mistakes, look, you know, that's, that's an avoidable mistake, but realistically, you can't be too harsh. This is going to yeah. take a few transfer windows, three or four transfer windows, but three or four transfer windows, so is, that's a couple of seasons. That's not going to happen. No, you don't that's think so? That's not going to happen. So, like, so, so there, won't be, there won't be the patience that he probably no. deserves. Well, I don't know, does he deserve it? Like, he's a new manager, but it doesn't mean he deserves patience. He was kind of an underwhelming appointment when he was given the job. Uh, like, I'm not going to, you know, uh, hammer him. On well, you already have. I'm not going to hammer him anymore. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's, like, you have, to give him, you have to give him some time. But what we've, you don't actually have to give anyone any, Nobody gets time anymore. Like, David Moyes didn't get time at United. Like, David Moyes thought he was getting six years. And... Uh, and seemed to be working under the impression that he was getting six years <laughs> until about you know ten to five on, in Goodison Park, and, uh, and like that's not what you're going to get. So he's not going to get a lot of transfer windows, and uh, you will need to see. He'll need to be ruthless. You will need to see a kind of a, a greater evidence than just you know okay, Arsenal's the centre backs are splitting and they're you know the midfielders are coming deep to pick up the ball and that's something different. Like yeah. you're going to need to see a bit more than that. You're going to need to see his signings being impressed. Like all the things that you look for as that kind of carry a new manager need to kind of make themselves apparent pretty quickly. Like the signings that people say, oh God, he's, you know, if you go back and it's going to be unfortunate now that we compare him to, you know, early year of Wenger. But like, you know, the thing that made Wenger, uh, people realize that they'd got somebody special with Wenger was Patrick Vieira when he arrived. And he arrived before Wenger. And, uh, do you think Gwen Doozy is gonna? <laughs> don't, don't, well, you know, you know he, he was he was he was okay. In a way he was he was quite good. I mean, he 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 made a, a bunch of of you know match losing mistakes, and yet somehow <laughs> he he was kind of quite uh, good. I think he had more touches than any other player in the game, which, well, is, yeah, which is very unusual and, and for to be fair opponents to him, against Man City. To be fair to him, he's he's you know there are a number of players there that he's he you know for a guy who's come from where he's come from playing with you know established professionals who aren't actually doing much to help him out uh he didn't do badly like it wouldn't be fair to say he was a reason like the 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 players that that uh are left there 
are are as much are, are the issue that 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 need to be addressed really. Yeah, I should say actually on that that um, he had more touches than anyone except the city defenders like Stones and Walker. I think were obviously okay. on the ball the whole time, but he had more touches than any other player apart from those guys. Al, I wonder. I don't know if you agree with Theo on that. Emery was an underwhelming appointment to begin with, but on this idea of you know he deserves time, it seems to me he's taken a bit more time than he needs to. Like, for instance, yesterday, he picks Petr Cech in the game, even though everybody knows the new goalkeeper who's sitting on the bench is going to be the goalkeeper. Otherwise, it's a catastrophic mistake to spend £22 million on a, on a, on a guy you're never going to use. So, I mean, wh- where do you stand on the issue of um, he needs time? Is it maybe maybe he should hurry up a little bit? Just going back to the underwhelming point, do you think that's slightly skewed because there was so much sort of hype about Mikel Arteta coming back, who's this Guardiola disciple, and a lot of Arsenal fans seem to get quite excited about that. And then I think when Emery was appointed, and that seemed to actually happen quite quickly, there was some sort of, not so much confusion, but sort of you know, certain Arsenal fans felt a little let down by it. Um, in terms of patience, I mean, it applies to pretty much every manager in in the league, apart from, you could argue, Guardiola at the minute. Um, does he deserve a couple of years? You could argue, yes, in one sense, but is he going to get it, like Dion mentioned? No. Um, in terms of the new signings, I mean, yeah, Leno will become become number one, and there was that clip of, of Czech sort of trying to play the ball out from, um, from, from the back, and which went horribly wrong. And you're sort of thinking, why not, you know, you've spent the money, why not play? Yeah, I mean, th- this is going to take a lot longer than it needs to if you if you persist in sort of you know picking players who can't do. He might, might stagger it. Like next, he'll just do sort of alternate weeks. He'll put check in one week, you know, and like just like I, until he finally makes the, makes the big leap. Well, you made the point, Ken, in your Irish Times piece that this is the opposite of Guard- what Guardiola did. Well, with, it, jo- with Joe Hart, where it's this guy doesn't suit. I don't care that he's a stalwart at the club. Um, well, not the Czech's been there that long. I don't care if he's a massive name, he's gone. Whereas Emirate, after one game anyway, is, seems to be sticking with a goalkeeper that doesn't suit his system. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean the comparison with, with Guardiola was obvious. Guardiola was sitting there. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and this was a big... I mean, the thing is that when, when Guardiola dropped Joe Hart, that was like quite a difficult decision. I mean, it, for Guardiola, it was an easy decision. He, he, was, he was like, okay, this is the way I want things to be. He obviously doesn't fit in. Therefore, he's gone. But what I mean, when I say it's a difficult decision, I mean people were like, "Oh, you can't, you can't treat Joe Hart like that," you know, or, or what kind of a, what kind of a manager just dismisses Joe Hart without even giving him a chance, you know? And then obviously the new goalkeeper was terrible. Bravo was really bad. So it, it kind of was like a a bit of a torn in Guardiola's side throughout the season. But he still did it anyway. It was a difficult decision which he was prepared to do, and it looks from the outset as though Emery is not like that well again and it's unfortunate we keep bringing him up but uh, David Moyes gave everybody time when he came in you know he was like you know that sense you felt that if he was to kind of establish his authority at United he needed to do make like you know there's two aspects to it like and Guardiola is a perfect example with Hart one the player doesn't fit their philosophy and two it demonstrates who's in charge and you know this is the way it's going to be from now on and Hart was the perfect uh, <laughs> perfect player in both in both instances from Guardiola's point of view. Moyes didn't do it. Moyes let the play. You know, he, he was 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 methodical and patient and gave everybody a fair hearing and was decent and was you know a, a good guy. And you know, six months later, they're complaining that they're not getting chips anymore. Like so, you know, it doesn't. You need to do it. You need to make that. Uh, you need to make that position clear that you are the manager and you are the person who has got a vision one way or the other. Yeah, no doubt Guardiola has a vision and has been implementing it. What did you make of them yesterday? It was really good. I think uh, um, they, you know, everything that you look at City, you look at the players that are going to come in, you look at uh, where they can still get to. Obviously, I don't think they, they, they weren't the team of last season. You know, yesterday they, they, they seem to be, I think they seem to expect a little bit more from Arsenal than they got because you know they were you know, like running down the clock and they were uh um, and there was that period when Arsenal got back into the game in the second half um and uh that was you know where city looked a little bit hesitant but you know with 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 the players with the squad they have the way they've added to it the way there seems to be 
this determination that they're going to win, they're going to win the league again. I think that you know it was a very good start against an Arsenal side you might have expected to be kind of fired up for it with a new manager. I wonder though. Um, I mean, I, th- I, th- I agree with you. I thought they did look good, I and mean, they they were showing they've got a few new sort of strings to their bow, or they were doing something a bit different with the you know inverted wingers and this kind of thing. Whereas last season it was mainly Sterling on the right and Sané on the left. This time Sterling was on the left and showing he can do quite well there. I wonder though about Sergio Aguero. Like ever since, I mean, this this is probably just reflecting my own prejudices because ever since Guardiola arrived, I've I've thought Aguero is not really the type of player he wants to he wants to have at centre forward, um, and I I just don't know if that's changed. I think this could be an issue uh, throughout, throughout the season. I mean, Al, I don't know what you think about this. Am I crazy? Like Aguero did score a couple of was it two goals in the Community Shield. Um, you know, played played well. Uh, is obviously a player who scores a lot of goals, and yet I still feel as though Guardiola does not actually really would like to move on from Sergio Aguero. Yeah, I think Gabriel Jesus will eventually become the number one. I reckon it could be this season. Um, even if you if you go back to last season, where there was sort of talk about Aguero possibly moving on, and there were these sort of stories about there being some sort of strife between. Aguero and Guardiola, without any actual details of what the cause was, um, there was no explanation of why this sort of dynamic exists. But at the same time, look through Aguero's record, he guarantees you 20 goals every season. Um, you know, the majority of Premier League clubs, Arsenal included, would, would love to have a player like that. But I think Jesus obviously is the long-term future and I mean, this season, will the, will the guard be passed on? Yeah, he um, he guarantees twenty goals partly because he's not afraid to shoot even when his teammates are better. <laughs> is he the one yet? With Kevin, yeah, De- Kevin yeah. De Bruyne makes like a seventy-yard run to tap in what would be an open goal, only for Aguero to tamely hit. So yeah, he's a striker. He's a, he's an old-fashioned. But he is. I, know, but I think, I think yeah. that was the thing. I think you know, last season when they Sterling, Jesus, and Sane, it did look like that's the kind of forward line that that Guardiola wants. You know, the kind of fluid and. Uh, that you know, you're, there's a movement there that you don't get when you when you have Aguero in the side. But um, I think that will progress over the season. I think the only interest, like this this sort of insistence that all the players, I'm, it'll be interesting how the season unfolds. But all the players come back early from the World Cup and start playing. And Sterling's you know had a week's holiday, and they're boasting about. But apparently, his. he's a little guy, so yeah. he immediately gets fit. But like I, you know, I'm kind of. Well, su- that that's what Guardiola said. Guardiola said, yeah. he, "Well, a little guy like that, of course, he's fit like a week, no problem." But. I don't. Well, yeah. I've never heard this before. No. <laughs> yeah, and he, yeah, but it also, it's a sort of. I'm a bit surprised by it because it kind of touches on a sort of slightly kind of macho culture that I thought, um, you know, wouldn't be part of the sort of kind of Pep's thinking that you know everyone gets back. You don't need a holiday, guys. You're back. You're fit. You know, you have one week and you can go out and you know it's it's how much do you want it? This kind of stuff, and uh, I'm not sure. If that's you know long term, as the season goes on, that this could be one of those things you're looking at, going, well, why did we, why did the players not get a longer break? Yeah. Um, uh, why didn't they just give them the rest they needed? And maybe that's you know maybe Aguero is going to be needed because they've they've brought all these players back, and you know it's not going to they'd be better off long term um, uh, with giving them the rest, unless of course they can kind of just go and win the league by October. He also December. seems to Aguero seems to operate quite well under whatever dynamic it has been for the last couple of seasons. like Maybe this constant having to prove himself to Guardiola isn't a, isn't a bad thing necessarily. But I want to talk about Chelsea's opening game under Sarri. You were at this one, Alan. Um, well, I suppose a 3-0 win on the face of it looks like he's maybe getting his messages across early on. Based on what you watched, what are, what are those messages? We've heard a lot about this guy's philosophy of football. Well, I think you could even see during, during the game on Saturday... Uh, as it wore on, the players were becoming more used to the system. Um, I asked Antonio Rudiger afterwards how long he feels it's going to take. Was he sorry before the game and said he feels like it could be two, possibly three months before they sort of they absorb the style that he wants. Um, but the second half, Huddersfield sort of 2-0 down, didn't really have any ideas. They were pushing forward a bit more and Chelsea just found it quite easy to sort of break quickly in transition and, and really punish them. Um, because it's Huddersfield, I think you know, it's quite a big caveat. We shouldn't really read too much into into that. Um, next week's game against Arsenal obviously will will tell us a lot more. Uh, the biggest positives in terms of Chelsea, I, I thought Jorginho was was quite good. Um, probably didn't have much to do 
defensively. Um, David Louise at centre back was he was actually very very good, and there's kind of a, an interesting story developing here now where he's out of contract at the end of the season. Yet Sarri believes he is the best player he in the squad at the minute to build attacks from the back. Um, so you've got a you know, Andreas Christensen who possibly is facing quite a lot of time on the bench over the over the coming months. Um, Antonio Conte obviously last season had said that he was not just the future but he's now the present. Um, <laughs> I think that's slightly changed under Sarri where he obviously has this sort of preference for Louise um, and I think then because of that and this new for the back system Antonio Rudiger will will sort of partner him because he sort of has this more, for want of a better phrase, sort of a, a more traditional centre-back's uh, toolkit, which will then allow David Luiz to, to build these attacks from the back. Yeah, the, I suppose one of the questions they do have, though, is what's going to happen with Morata? I mean, how would you rate him yesterday? I think what makes his position very interesting is that... Um, at Napoli, the big thing that that or one of the big things that Sarri did was was turn Dries Mertens into a centre forward, and and he scored like thirty four goals one of the seasons. He's got Hazard, who is better than Dries Mertens, but a similar type of player, you could say, like a superior version of the same type of player, who has never scored as many even as twenty goals um, since he's been at Chelsea. And you do wonder if maybe. This could be Hazard's time to really take off, but in order to do that, he would effectively have to knock Morata out of the team. So, how do you think that's going to um, shape up? It was quite interesting during the first half, where Sarri was just—he spent five to ten minutes just bollocking Morata because <laughs> obviously Sarri's game, a lot of it is based on sort of pressing opposition defenders. And Sarri was asked about it afterwards, and he said it was because Huddersfield had decided to play with three centre halves rather than two. It caught them by surprise, and therefore. Murata had extra work to do, but there were moments where Murata was, you know, he was casually jogging, trying trying to close the defenders down, giving Huddersfield plenty of time to, to play the ball out, um, and that really, really annoyed Sarri. In terms of Murata's sort of general play, most of the game, he's, you know, he tends to drop deep with his back to goal, and he doesn't even sort of, you know, he doesn't even bring teammates into play that that often. He he loses it quite quite frequently. Um, even if you look at Kante's goal, you could possibly argue that you know Williams cross from the left was was directed to Morata, but he'd sort of mistimed his run or his leap, and, which had allowed the ball to come across to Kante to to finish. Um, the hazard point, you know, it is a possibility, especially when you consider that you know the, the centre forward alternatives. You've either got Tammy Abraham, who you know is, has huge potential but struggled at, on loan at Swansea last season, or else Olivier Giroud, who you know. We all know what, how hot and cold Giroud can be. So, in terms of Hazard, I think it'd be quite interesting to see him in that role. Um, you know, the comparisons with Mertens are, are obvious. Um, quite similar players. Hazard probably is, you know, the actual more naturally talented. Um, and even when he came off the bench for fifteen minutes on a on Saturday afternoon, he just, you know, he was just a complete level above anything anything else on the pitch. Um, I think he completed more dribbles in his. 15 minutes on the pitch than any other player in the Premier League um, this season. You, you could argue that the you know the way Huddersfield had sort of had used the, the, the last the, the final 20 15 minutes to, to push forward and commit more men forward sort of you know, played into Hazard's hands and allowed him space. But you know he's just such he's such a gifted player and I think he could actually be quite a big success in a in a more central role. Are you excited about Chelsea under this guy? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Like you know because he does have such a clear philosophy of how he wants to play but the other thing with Chelsea is again and you know like the London like Chelsea and Arsenal these clubs who for whom expectation is kind of you know really plateaued like they're not expected uh to be you know where they were like Chelsea you know dominant for so long and now it's like well okay let's hope we like they'll have a good season under Sarri would it be that shocking if they launch a title charge though given the quality that they have I'd be shocked. Would you? Yeah, and I know they've, like, I think it would be, uh, um, like, they do have, they have some quality, but there's been a slight sort of uh, drift there and a kind of, you know, um, uh, and a, 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 they've, they've whatever, for whatever reason, they've allowed other, other clubs to, uh, to outspend them. Yeah. And to I suppose the, dr- the drift happened with uh, the two previous managers in their latter seasons and was arrested then with a new guy coming in. Yeah, and like, you know, okay, they've, they've you know, they've, 
you know they've they've won the league twice in the last you know four years. So it's 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 you can't say they've oh yeah what what has happened you know, what has happened to Chelsea in some ways. But when you look at the money they they spent in recent years and compare it to where they were, there clearly is it there is a change, and uh, um, it will be interesting to see what the, what they do under Sari. But I I don't see them. I, I, I don't see them making a title challenge. Man United are off to a winning start and already this Paul Pogba, Jose Mourinho dynamic is rearing its head. Pogba said after the game, there are things I cannot say or I will be fined when he was asked about whether or not he was happy at the club. I wanted you to call this right now, Dion, after one game of the season. Who is going to leave that club first, Jose Mourinho or Paul Pogba? Jose Mourinho. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think um, it's... I, I, you know, if, if Pogba's quotes are, are are interesting, the story about the director of football is even more interesting. If you look at if you look at Jose Mourinho, and uh, you say, um, what could you do? What could you do that is going to most sort of you know antagonise Jose Mourinho after a summer where you haven't signed uh, any of the players he wanted, and then it's come out that actually you didn't really rate any, or you know the club didn't really rate them, or feel they would improve the squad you would say, well, let's get somebody in who might actually know a bit more about football. And, and that's the story at the moment, isn't it? Whether it's considering appointing a director of football, yeah, yeah. presumably it'll be, oh, this will help Jose. He gave us a list of targets. Now we're going to get a man in who can actually act on those targets. <laughs> but that's the dream. That's the dream. It's, not, uh, it's hard to imagine that it's, like just, it's just one more obstacle, one more person between Jose and getting what he wants. So... Uh, um, uh, I, I and I actually have kind of some sympathy for him at the moment because, uh, like, you look at the stories and you read the stories about you know they, they didn't rate Harry Maguire and uh, didn't want to pay you know seventy million for Harry Maguire when you could have got seventy you know Van Dyke for seventy five million, mm. um, and you kind of look at it, you know whoever made that decision that he wasn't worth and you go okay that's I I you know I'd agree with that but at the same time. Like if you're Jose Mourinho, you you're you're expected you you're entitled to expect that what you want as the manager of the club is acted upon. Mm. Otherwise, there's no real point in being Jose Mourinho at the club. So it sounds like you're on Ken's side as opposed to Gary Neville's side of that particular debate. Yeah. I, I am on. I yeah. I probably well. What what was Neville's point that? Uh, well, that you don't necessarily have to blindly follow Mourinho just because you appointed him as manager. No, you don't have to, but there's going to be consequences if you don't. Like, of course, you can do whatever, Edward can do whatever he wants. He runs the club and he might be right about Harry. He probably is right about Harry Maguire, but that's, that's a separate issue to what is going to happen to Jose Mourinho when you do what you're entitled to do. You don't have to follow, but like, unless Mourinho has had unless he's kind of practicing kind of mindfulness or something and like has had a kind of you know personality adjustment uh, or else he realizes that you know things haven't where is he going to go after manchester united but he will need to not be jose mourinho for these things not to to affect him and to trouble him and to push him closer to the edge i think so as well and and i wonder what you make of it all the um you know i thought that pogba's comments were a bit much actually I'm kind of thinking, okay, Pogba has uh, Pogba started the season well, you know, captain, scored a goal, won the game, all good. He's not going to be sold to Barcelona at this point because they can't replace him. So suck it up and, you know, s- settle into your role as one of the highest paid footballers in the world, uh, you know, at the heart of this Manchester United team. And instead, he comes out and says, well, there's things I can't say going on here or I'll be fined. Now, I mean, okay, well, like, was he, are there any other ways that he could cause unnecessary trouble? I mean, why can't this guy just focus? I mean, this is what Mourinho's been saying. Apparently, Pogba was annoyed that Mourinho said um, during the summer, well, I think the World Cup's an ideal environment for somebody like Paul Pogba because he's, you know, he's away, he's kind of in a little bubble away from all the distractions that we know he's prone to and uh, and he can focus on the football and he and he really did very well and I'd like to see more of that Pogba and this is, Pogba's annoyed by it but I'm, I also sort of think, yeah, but you don't have to kind of throw out a distress flare every time you're annoyed by something. There is also the option of being a professional and getting on with your job. It's the timing of it, really, isn't it? Because, I mean, once the full-time whistle went on Friday night, you, you know, he played really well, become, had the captain's armband, which I guess, you know, was, I thought was a bit of a surprise when, when it was announced before kickoff. Um, 
why say then? You know, you, you've started the season really well. You've played a defining role in an opening night win. Um, you know, if, if they'd lost or if something else had gone wrong, if he was substituted, you know, if he was substituted, hold off the pitch by Mourinho or something, you'd sort of understand it slightly. But is Pogba not sort of accidentally almost feeding into this narrative that Mourinho has been trying to create about Pogba and these distractions? I mean, I just don't understand the the timing or, or even the reasoning for for him to come out on Friday night and, and say what he did. Um, you know, he's... Can he put together a, a succession of, of performances like Friday night? Um, you know, he hasn't actually really done that for United, despite, you know, a good World Cup and everything else in the past. His United career has effectively been occasional really good performance where he reminds you of his, of his potential and how good he actually is. The following week, he can go completely missing. And that's the most frustrating thing about Pogba. And, you know, to, to an extent, I can, I can understand Mourinho's frustrations i do find the whole you know this fascination with, with his haircut or him dancing on instagram videos it's slightly bizarre who cares what he's doing off the pitch or away from the training ground um but to say that immediately after a good performance um having been made captain is just you know he's kind of playing playing it into Mourinho's hands isn't he yeah it's good to have this reality tv show back anyway i think Listen, alan <laughs> smith thanks a million dion thanks so much Hair dryers is a metaphor for the current of hot air generated by a furious blast of temper. The hair dryer with which uh, Alex Ferguson was famously associated. He threw a hair dryer, I think, at David Beckham. Oh, he threw a hair dryer at David Beckham. Uh, in the, is that right? No, 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 no. We were marvelling in our Premier League preview last week about the off-the-field hobby of Chelsea's new goalkeeper, Kepa who is a competitive birdsong trainer. You'll remember, Ken. Yeah. You quite enjoy this. Specialising in mentoring goldfinches. Do you mentor birds in the same way you do human beings? I'm going to say yes. Apparently you do. Jamie D has been in touch to advise that any would-be goldfinch trainers here in Ireland are in luck because there are plenty of them over here, apparently. Really? Very common, yeah. They're best encouraged at the garden by feeding, is it Niger seed? And or growing thistles and teasels. And their particular song is described on Birdwatch Ireland as a liquidy, rather quiet string of twitters, not unlike a swallow. Yeah. See, those are just the goldfinches that haven't met the Chelsea goalkeeper yet. By the time Kepa's done with them, there's nothing liquidy or quiet about their call, Ken. Yeah. They're good, strong, robust twitters is what you're going to get at the end of uh, schooling by Kepa and his dad up in Bilbao or wherever he's from. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, they, I'm looking at a goldfinch here. I mean, they, they seem to come in a few different varieties. Huh? One yeah. of them is yellow, one of them is... One of them is in sort of Watford colours. Mm-hmm. One of them has got black, white and red head with yellow on its wings. Fascinating creatures. Yeah. Nice to look at. Very nice. Thanks nice to listen to. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you. It'll be another football podcast. Waiting for you the next couple of days on the World Service. Talk to you then. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.